on this episode of Skeptico, a show about liars. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course he is. If anybody knows what counterintelligence is, it's not just about lying to get information. It's a chess game. And he says he hates to lose. Or maybe it's a show about truth tellers. What is true, uh, and I'm, I'm actually being serious here, is, is that uh, there are, uh, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. Stick around my inside baseball deep dive into UFOs with my excellent guest Rich Giordano is coming up next on Skeptico. Welcome to Skeptico, where we explore controversial science and spirituality with leading researchers, thinkers, and their critics. I'm your host, Alex Akaris, and today we welcome Rich Giordano to Skeptico. Rich is the creator of Goofon. Let me read this. The most original and entertaining show in its field of research, a show that mixes the good, the bad of both the paranormal community and the UFO field. And I know all that is true because Rich wrote it on his Patreon page. So I did, but, but he is great. Great. I'm super excited about this show. I think that it's going to be a fun one. Rich does offer a unique perspective. He's one of these guys who does kind of like me follow the data where he thinks it needs to go. And he's pretty unedited, unreserved in terms of what he thinks that means. But I appreciate that. And I appreciate what I sense is a just a deep pursuit of the truth and wanting to know what things really are. So Rich, terrific having you on. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great. I'm surprised we haven't done it sooner. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Hey, I had to find you, man. I had to find you, but I found you in such an interesting way in my own stumbling and bumbling and being duped, which I do get duped. I get duped all the time and I try not to get duped, but I do ultimately get duped. So that's going to be one of the things that we're going to talk about today, but we have to start with give people a background on yourself, on Goofon and what you've been doing in this field for quite a while, right? Since 2004. Yeah. It's uh, started out because I saw something. Well, I'm not going to go back into it. Let's just say this, that I've had a, a lifelong history of in, in being interested in UFOs, the paranormal in general, even ghosts and things like that. So I started a show in 2005 called the AZ UFO show. And it went right through the roof and it was popular immediately on blog talk radio. And I just wanted to talk about my stuff, my experiences, not knowing what I was getting into really doing a live show like that. And I uh, hooked up with this guy in Arizona named Jeff Willis and we created the show and, and off we went and found out just through by accident uh, that there's people, and I would have found out anyway, but people are not as honest as you would think, especially people who have number one websites, radio shows, and so on. So it kind of got me put on this track to find the truth about what goes on behind the scenes of ufology. And, uh, and the crusade has been going on ever since. The truth 
is what matters. Life is is more interesting than lying about things. I think I think the world is more paranormal than normal. So I go on that where the truth is good enough for this field, and and that's what I do. I, I find people and and their sightings and uh, and believe me, I've got over twenty thousand hours behind the camera holding a camera and actually UFO hunting and stuff like that. So I know what I'm doing. Uh, I know how to read video, analyze it, and people generally just make misidentify. You know, they misidentify what they see. Not a lot of hoaxers out there like there used to be, but they're still out there. Excuse me. So, you know, this field has gotten a little bit more difficult. Um, the drones have really played a big part in it in the last five to six years because a lot of things look like drones now. And uh, the Tic Tac is super popular, as you know, and everything seems to be a Tic Tac. Um, but uh it's it's really about the people in the field and the evidence and their stories and trying to break down what's really going on. Yeah, I think the people are super interesting. And I think there's a lot of crossover. When we start talking about people and motives and ulterior motives and deception and misinformation and disinformation, I think there's a lot of crossover with a lot of other fields. You talk about the UFO field and the UFO community, which you are a, a part of, but at the same time, I see you bleeding over into other communities. I see you doing a show on near-death experience because you go, hey, this seems to be kind of connecting in consciousness. Or Stephen Greer, you know, is being interviewed by your buddy over there at third phase and you know, he's all about consciousness and there's a bunch of other people. So that's more of the domain that I started in because I am, I don't consider myself part of the UFO community, but when I look back at the number of people that I've interviewed in the UFO community, I've interviewed a lot of them, but I always just approached it as, Hey, I want to answer the biggest questions about life. Who am I? Why am I here? And I start doing that and I'm drawn into UFOs. So I don't know when people look at and kind of are still a little bit demeaning about the UFO community. I'm always like, what the fuck are you talking about? How is that not on your list of one of the top most important things to resolve one way or another? And now, you know, we're in a post-disclosure world. Whatever that means, we are in a mode where our beloved government has come out and said, oh no, this is totally real. So I, I just, we can pull that apart too, but I just don't know how people kind of sometimes normies kind of get this attitude about the UFO community. The one thing we can say about the UFO community is they were right. They were right all along. That's kind of been, that's what the, that's the headline from the last few years. What do you think about in general, the, the UFO community, or are you feeling identification with the ufo community uh if you're asking me how i how i view the ufo community now what does that mean to you when i say ufo community? well what it means is it's people who generally have an interest in ufos aliens abductions cattle mutilations you know things that are related to the field now consciousness is making its way into the field where people have been talking about this for years, especially Greer. He's been talking about it forever and Grant Cameron and many, many others who were laughed at. 
And I, and I said, what, you know, what are you talking about? You know, aliens, you can't talk to aliens with your mind. You can't because I can't do it. And Lord knows I've tried. And uh, so it, the community is people that are interested in the same things that are all tied into exactly what I just said, aliens, cattle mutilations, UFOs. And that's it. And the consciousness thing is something that, wow, we just heard Lou Elizondo say it might be about consciousness. And he was never talking like that. He was talking how UFOs were a threat and we need to find out what they are, where they are, you know, how they got here, what do they want? And we don't have the technology to do it. And now he switched to where he's saying it's very possible we can actually communicate with these things through consciousness, maybe possible possible psychic connections, maybe remote viewing. So it's an interesting turn and, and the community's really pulling on that and going with it, which surprises me, but it doesn't because we go through ups and downs throughout the years. And I'm almost in this 20 years and, you know, this will pass too. <laughs> and something well, else will come up. Yeah. I, I wonder, I mean, there's so many ways to pull this thing apart and uh, I, know. I guess we just got to kind of flow with it as it goes. What concerns yeah. me is Lou Elizondo looks like Richard Doty 2.0 to me. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. Disinformation, misinformation. So from from get go, you know. So why do we? Why would we possibly trust anything that Lou Elizondo says? He's a professional liar. I mean, that's if you ask him for his business card, that's what it says. I'm a spy for the United <laughs> States government. That's what I've been my whole life. My job is to lie, either on your behalf as an American citizen or sometimes against you, but. So what concerns me is that when these guys start picking up on the narrative that I know is true, like consciousness and that whole thing, the reason that's true is because that's what the best scientific evidence shows, right? If you put it in the lab and you, what the physicist said a hundred years ago, the observer effect, double slit experiment, the consciousness affects the outside world, or perhaps consciousness is fundamental. You looked at near-death experience. You looked at when people throw around remote viewing, which always amazes me because when people in the quote-unquote UFO community talk about remote viewing, they talk about it as if it's something other than the consciousness thing. I mean, you can't accept, believe, whatever in remote viewing in the SRI Stargate thing, which is like well-established history. You can't believe that and still question the consciousness thing. That is the consciousness thing, right? I guess so. I have a hard time with it, but I guess so. I guess it is. Yeah, you know, to people claiming they can communicate with aliens is a tough one for me because I tried it almost every day for four years and I've gotten nowhere. Now, I say that, but... Then again, I had some incredible experiences soon after that, which were I, I consider dreams, lucid dreams at that, where you wake up and you, you think you're up and something happens. You see an alien at the end of the bed or something whispers in your ear, you know, I'll be in your head before you wake up. What? <laughs> you know, so you have these things that just draw you back in. It's like, how did that happen? You know, wh why did that happen? And never having the evidence to back it up. You know, I couldn't record it. You know, things just happen when they happen. 
And that's the thing. That's the problem I have when we're talking about consciousness, because things seem to happen when you least expect it, at least for me. So I could be wrong. And I, and I accept that. I just need to know what everybody else is doing. How are they making these connections or are they all lying? Yeah, I, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I mean, this is like fundamental to me because mm. like the position of science, mainstream science, which I think is a psyop, by the way, I'll preface that, is yeah. that consciousness is an illusion. That you, Rich, are a product of your brain. You're an epiphenomenon of your brain. Your brain is this little body of jello up there that's firing off and that's all there is and whatever you're making of that little story is just fake because it's just the firing of your brain so remote viewing contradicts that it fundamentally shifts that paradigm it falsifies it it says okay though that can no longer be true so everything that neuroscience has said that your brain is just your brain and it's physical and it doesn't create this consciousness all that goes away when you have remote viewing that violates space and time. And I think a lot of people don't exactly make that connection. And then I've also heard you talk about near-death experience a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to go there too much, but I got a hundred shows on near-death experience <laughs> with some of the top leading researchers, you know, cardiologist 20 years, you know, published in the Lancet, 200 peer reviewed papers across the board. So, that stuff is is also just real but again there's this battle scientifically because for that to be real then a lot of other things that science likes to hold on to are false but the, the, what i want to bring it back to in the ufo thing when you say i don't believe people are talking to aliens through consciousness okay all right but if we accept that consciousness is in play now and that it is somehow fundamental to this whole thing then i think it just kind of changes the equation and it the burden of yeah, proof shifts so. okay yeah. well because i've asked people how to do it i've bought books on it i've tried greer's methods and even greer says you know if it doesn't happen to you you know within five or six you know, times of trying, just keep trying. I'm like, okay, yeah, because by then you'll feel stupid and you won't want to continue. I get it. Yeah. And I don't think just because it's part of our, you know, our uh, conversation now means it's valid because I'm still having a hard time trying to, to get that connection. And I've done remote viewing and I consider myself an empath and somewhat have the ability to, you know, to have psychic abilities. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of strange things and a lot of coincidences and synchronicities that I can't deny. And I've done it on the show and we've had extremely good uh, results with it. Um, so, you know, it's not that I don't believe it. It's just hard for me to believe it if I can't do it. And just because it's part of the conversation doesn't mean it's valid. Don't you, don't you think so? Just because everybody's talking about it, it's just something new to talk about, I think. But where are these uh, people that are doing it over and over again, and how are they doing it? And I'm not just taking Greer's word for it. I get it. 
and you're kind of jumping to the to yeah, the next level, which a lot of people do, which is like, okay, then prove it, show me, and and show me that it's the alien thing, you know. I, I kind of pull back and say, you know, where where are we at in terms of just the way I always think of it, Rich, is as burden of proof. You know, where does the burden of proof lie? And like we were talking about, and I don't know how you feel about Lou Elizondo really and Richard Doty really, but it's like when we have people who are proven professional liars, disinformation agents, to me, you know, the burden of proof becomes unbelievably off the charts, overwhelming for them to establish the credibility in what they're saying. So that's what I mean, like, we're going to get into and hopefully we'll just talk. Let, let me stop there before I roll on. Okay. I said a bunch of shit now about Lou Elizondo, professional liar, a professional spy, a disinformation agent or not. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course he is. He said it himself. If anybody knows what counterintelligence is, it's not just about, you know, the, you know, detecting lies and all this other stuff and, you know, lying to get information. It's a chess game. And he says he hates to lose. And that scares me because this guy knows how to manipulate and get what he wants. And when he doesn't, uh, it's it seems like he can be a pretty scary guy. And that we don't need in this field. Okay, but uh, beautiful. And that's what I like that you're just so plainly honest. But when we process that back into this community, or just more broadly, the conversation that we're having about this, he is just accepted by so, so many people, and so many people that we generally think are credible. And there they are with, you know, quoting Lou Elizondo, or here's what Lou has said, or, you know, here's 60 minutes, not that we would ever trust 60 minutes, but to get to where you just said is a huge leap for so many people. Walk them through that a little bit so they can really get grounded in that. Walking, that the guy is uh, fake. The guy is like you said, the guy is playing chess with you. He's yeah. playing chess with counterintelligence with disinformation. Well, that's the thing. Uh, there's a lot of problems with Lou because he came out of nowhere. Nobody's I never heard of the guy. And apparently he was working with a tip, which was supposedly, uh, according to when they announced him on TTSA at the presser. And uh, he walks up on stage and introduced by DeLong. He's he's talking about a tip being a UFO, you know, what do you call it? Organization, secret organization to find actually UAPs, you know, government UFOs. That's not what ATIP is. ATIP was to, to locate and find our adversaries technology in our, in our secured airspace. It said nothing to do with unidentified objects. And it was all about our adversaries and their technology. OSAP, which was, you know, like the, the brother of ATIP apparently was the real UFO group. And they were funded. ATIP really wasn't. And then Lou comes out and, and you know, tells us all this stuff about ATIP. And then we're all, you know, supposed to believe it just because he's a government guy. When did we start believing people in the government anyway? So that's government why intelligence. And he was an he admits he was an intelligent intelligence agent. 
counterintelligence. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, you go through a lot of training to become that person, but it's also the personality and they choose very carefully on what type of person would be a counterintelligence agent. They vet these people like you wouldn't believe because they have to fake, you know, a reality for the adversaries and make them think that they're this person or that person. So when we see Lou and we just trust them like this, it scares me because why would you trust this person who's a professional liar? What is he doing that uh, is, is furthering disclosure? Everything he's touched has turned to crap. That AOI MSG office that they opened up at the, the, you know, in the Pentagon inside the DOD has now been officially closed to the public. They are not going to disclose anything now. Did you hear about this? So that was supposed to be for the, they were supposed to report once a year at, yeah, to Congress what they found, any injuries from anybody in the government, pilots and whatnot. And now they're saying they're not going to disclose it at all. It's done. See, see, brother, you know so much stuff. And I could go so deep because I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I don't follow it. That it just level. happened. Yeah. I, I, he, here, here it is for me. I'm going to pull back to Alex getting duped. You know, do a lot of interviews, a lot of really top scientists, been duped by them, been duped by other people too. And I don't try and be duped and I try and get myself <laughs> unduped when I can. But like I interviewed Leslie Kane. Yeah. I love Leslie Kane. I think she's awesome. She's but good. I'm like, Leslie, you know, Leslie. So I'm like, back up. Not, not too much inside baseball. Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal will be known as the two people who kind of broke the disclosure story. This is December 2017, New York Times front page. UFOs are real is the big announcement. And this is what precipitates this whole thing that we're talking about. A tip comes out of this. The Tic Tac videos come out of this. The guys you've seen on 60 Minutes, oh my God, it's flying at, it, which is real, you know, it's flying around yeah. at these speeds and all the rest of that stuff. Which, to put it in context, which what they'll admit is, these are the same things we've seen for 60 years that they said, <laughs> no, no, no. And now uh, they're saying, uh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So, but Leslie, I pushed her. I said, because to me, it, like, Leslie, I go, why are you believing this? Number one, why are you believing when they tell you this is unclassified? It's like, what? what uh, how is this unclassified? How does that kid who innocently takes a selfie in the submarine just to send to his girlfriend and there's something in the background, no, really nothing. He gets sent to prison because it's classified and this isn't classified. It just, the whole thing, just the story was just so flimsy from the beginning. But my question, again, in terms of being duped, like, Leslie, are you playing me here? Or did you really believe that? Ralph Blumenthal, veteran reporter for New York Times, uh, Nice guy, interviewed him on the show, wrote a book about John Mack, wrote the ultimate autobiography on John Mack. Seems mm. very credible, doesn't seem like a professional liar, doesn't have a history of being a professional liar, does work for the New York Times, has for a long time. Same thing, like, no, no, man, this is real. You know, we got the inside scoop. They brought us into the secret room and Lou Elizondo sat down with us and he's a whistleblower. And I'm like, 
how I, I even talked to Dolan. I haven't talked to Richard Dolan. I said, man, this is, this is a political psyop, right? I mean, come on. So here I got three people, Richard, the three people that I like and respect. I know you don't feel the exact same way about Dolan, but that's more complicated. Dolan, Leslie Kane wrote one of the best influential books on UFOs, pilots and generals go on the record. Oh, Ralph yeah. Blumenthal, totally credible in my opinion. All these people are falling for Lou Elizondo. How, are, are, Rich, are you and I the only ones who kind of go, this is obviously bullshit. I don't, I don't get it. That's where I'm, I'm being duped and I don't understand what the bigger game is. Yeah, and a lot of people aren't gonna like this answer I'm giving them. It, ha it all has to do with their egos. And if you hook on to Lou Elizondo's uh, star, you will be known more and more and you will get more views, clicks and uh, sell more books. And sadly, that's what I feel these people have gotten uh, gotten a hold of Lou for. All about, because like I was just saying a minute ago, everything he touches doesn't really turn out the way he thinks it's going to work out. And to me, that is his plan from the beginning. He tells us one thing and another thing happens. And it's very frustrating. And that's why I think these people hitch on to him. I think they like that he's one of the, if not the most popular thing right now, and that they can get more popular. And yeah, Dolan, for whatever reason, you know, came after my channel, and uh, we'll get into that maybe some other time. But uh, he's been a part of hoaxes, not just one or two, but more. And it's pretty sad that Richard Dolan, a historian, has gotten, you know, into the hoaxing scene. But he made a lot of money interviewing a dead guy. So whatever. And uh, Leslie Keene, you may, you know, respect her and, and I kind of do too, but she's in bed with Lou Elizondo, not literally, but, you know, she's seemingly uh, taken his star status and making it hers. And I, I just feel it's, it's all about their egos because whatever they're doing isn't working. They tried to get that room inside the you know the pentagon and now it's not what he said it was going to be not that he made any promises but we're going to have more transparency than we ever have wrong didn't happen a tip we don't even know if a tip was a real thing anymore it was but you know they they erased all of his emails you know now we can't have any evidence where where is lou's stack of work what has he signed off on what has he done I don't have any evidence that he's done anything. So he's popular because he worked in the Pentagon with a tip and he sounds good. He talks well. He's a smart guy. He's not dumb. I mean, the guy's got a couple of degrees, I think, in science or chemistry or something like that. And um, he, he plays it well. And he is paid by the government to say all this. And if you go back to when he came out originally, everything was a script. You could tell what he was doing. It was scripted. And I know they have their talking points and things like that, but he wouldn't answer certain things when he goes on shows. He gives you, not him, but his people give you the questions they want you to ask him. And if you go off that script, it's, he'll never go back on your show again. So the fact that he does that and he's denying it, but we know for a fact it's true because I'm friends with people who had him on and they 
you know, told him, hey, ask this, this, and this. Don't go off of that. It'll go very well for you. Come on. So I think everybody likes Lou because he's popular and you can get a lot of views, clicks, and sell books and whatever. Sorry. That's what it is with Lou. I think that's why people love him. I don't think they trust him. I just think they like his popularity. Sadly. Well, it's kind of interesting what you're putting out there, Rich. And what I'm saying is weak, and and I know that. I know No, 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 no. I I think the other way. Like, one of the most interesting things I think you said, which just rings so true, is you think Lou Elizondo became Lou Elizondo by accident? No way. That's what you said. Like, man, these guys are are selected, trained. One, they're selected, which is something that you said that I had never thought about. I think that's actually quite a brilliant insight reminder for all of us is that you know you don't get in that job unless you have certain personality traits and those are honed and refined but the other thing and i don't know if you've thought about this but i'd love to hear what you think is Mm -hmm. it takes a certain kind of that military intelligence mindset psychopathic some people would call it mindset that is like hey you want me on that hill, you need me on that hill, you know, yeah. kind of military. And we get that on some level because they're right. On some level, we do want them to take care of us and we don't care how they do it. But yeah. on another level, we're like, fuck you guys, you guys got to obey the law. And they're like, fuck you. We, you don't really care. You just want us to do our job. So get out of the way and let me do my job. What do you think about that? The the, the psychology, the sociopathic uh, counterintelligence aspect? More narcissistic than anything. And I, I think you're right. To do something like, you know, just go all balls out and not care what happens just as long as you get the results is a certain personality. Maybe it is sociopathic. I'm not sure. But we need people like Lou, right? Maybe not in ufology, but without people like Lou, a lot of stuff wouldn't get done. A lot of people wouldn't charge, you know, and, you know, go and, you know, it takes a certain personality to put your life out there, to put your reputation out there. And you're just hoping that people will back you up even if you fail. Well, he tried really hard. And that's what I'm seeing happening now with Lou. Like, hey, that office failed, but that's Lou. He tried his best. At least he's trying. At least he's making us talk about UFOs and he's brought it to mainstream media. Right. Yeah. He's got that persona. But what do we really know about the guy? Really? I I don't know really that much about him. There was a movie that just came out about him, the documentary. I don't know if you saw it. It's called Who's Lou? And it goes, this guy, Manny, went through all public records on Lou and, you know, found out You know, he moved here and there, had about 15 businesses with his father, all failed. What were they doing? You know, these businesses only lasted a few years. There's a certain type of person that would do this. And it's like get rich quick schemes, maybe. Or you know what I mean? It's that type of personality, that gung-ho, hoorah personality that Lou has. And it seems like he only wants to associate with those people because we've invited him on this show, Third Phase of Moon. Greer wants to talk to him. He won't. Anybody who disagrees with him, and that scares me. So why does he only want to go on uh, you know, the shows that, that kiss his ass? 
and won't ask the hard questions. It's because he's got a lot to lose in his mind and he's got a job to do because he's being paid by who knows who, you know, the government probably or Christopher Mellon. But yeah, without that type of personality, ufology would have been a little boring the last couple of years. So I thank Lou for that. I thank him for his services, but he's really not doing all that great of a job, if you ask me. And that's the scary thing. When you have somebody who has that type of personality, you don't know what you're going to get. You hope you get what you want, but there's going to be, it's like a, you know, China ball in a, what is that? Uh, a ball in ball, a China shop a, or something. Like that. Shop, yeah. 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 He's like that. That's what he reminds me of. And Hey man, uh, you know, I'm, I've got the discussion on mainstream media. Oh, congratulations. So the last 10 months, yeah, there's been nothing on mainstream media. So it's all done. Are we done? You know, why this big sudden stop now? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, you know, Lou, very frustrating because he's all about himself, I think. So if we pull the lens back a little bit, and you're doing a fantastic job of that in terms of, you know, because like I bounce around on a lot of different subjects on the show. Cause again, it's just my trying to figure out these answers to these questions yeah. and I'm just go where my fucking nose leads me rather than try and follow a particular line. Like one of the things you said just right there, and I think we did a good job of deconstructing it, which I haven't heard a lot of people really talk about that next level is like, you said it beautifully, you know, if you're <laughs> going to have a da, 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 charge that hill, reality which we do live in then you need people like lou so it's not even the personality of lou per se it's the personality of that person which is who is going to fill that role that role that counterintelligence role so if i can i there's this whole other topic i wanted to talk about but this is so interesting i want to talk about richard doty because a lot of people don't mm. understand when you say richard Doty. i don't understand you know Richard Doty. I understand Lou Elizondo is Richard Jody Doty 2.0. I mean, just plug the next one in there, you know, professional liar, professional disinformation agent, professional counterintelligence, throws out some things that are true, but also is, you know, throws out some incredibly wild things too. You know, the ET's favorite food is strawberry ice cream kind of thing where you're like, whoa even if i was going to entertain anything that you said before now are you just trying to screw with me are you just trying right. to be so over the top and we're going to talk about that again as we get to anjali because i'm not so sure that anjali isn't talking about strawberry ice cream but we'll, we'll we'll get there but here's where i gotta call it i mean what is stephen greer doing up on stage with richard doty why is anyone still talking to richard doty you know i interviewed uh, colonel john alexander I don't believe oh, yeah. much of what he says, but when I brought up the top topic of Richard Doty, he said either he's lying or he ought to be in Leavenworth. And that's the one that that's truth. He should be in prison for what he's admitted doing. There's no question about it. He's admitted to crimes. So maybe the statute of limitation is over and he can't be convicted for what he did to Paul Benowitz and the rest of them. Mm -hmm. But those are crimes. And why do we lose that? Why do we lose sight of that? Why do we still have this guy on uh, on stage? Why the hell is how is Stephen Greer credible when he still when he has Richard Doty up on stage? We'll talk in a minute about Michael Aquino. I don't know if you know him, the Satanist who was in the army for the longest time. And you know, there's a lot of horrible people that are in 
have these positions in intelligence. But Stephen Greer, what the hell is he doing with Richard Doty up on stage with Richard Doty? Why is anyone talking to Richard Doty? I don't know. I think because they're they're fascinated. He's he's talking. You know, they, it's like he was gone for a little bit. You know, and then he's making this resurgence. Of course, what a time to do it when ufology's at its all time most popular. So again, you know, Doty's out for Doty. But the reason I think people like Doty because. They know what he is. It's like talking to somebody who used to be in the mob and they retired. You know, it's like now you get to hear all these cool stories and, you know, he's allowed to talk about them. Maybe. I don't know. Not everything. But he also still has connections, but he's also still a bullshitter. I mean, this guy said some crazy stuff a couple of weeks ago and it just turned out to be all wrong. And uh, it's like, why would he do that? Go on a show and say this. And it's like, it's it just confusing everybody. That's typical Doty. And yes, I said uh, Lou Elizondo is Lou Doty because he is. He's Doty 2.0, just more now in mainstream and, you know, Twitter, Facebook, social media, all that stuff. So it gets more recognition now than ever. But that's what Doty is. Doty's also a professional liar. And that's what he's doing. And what he did to that, to Paul Benowitz, you said, he, the guy basically, uh, you know, went insane thinking he was seeing aliens and whatnot. And it wasn't. And Doty told him it was. And then the guy started freaking out. Greer, why is Greer on stage with Doty? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. It's got to be because of connections. And uh, he can give Greer some things that he needed. Yeah, you know, and that's what Greer does. You know, he also needs people for certain things, and Doty probably had that. Probably had a connection for him, so he gave him some time on stage. I don't know. I think it's very, very strange as well that anybody's talking to Doty as if he's great. It's very strange. I mean, because Doty, you know, if you did, like, it's interesting what you said about the inside information you have from other people who've done interviews with Lou, and Lou says. I, I like the way you put it too. The way you put it has a real ring of truth to it. Ask this, this, and this. Don't ask this, this, and this. And then what you added is, and then everything will be good for you. Everything yeah. will be okay. So it's not like you can't ask that shit because you can ask that shit because he just brushes it aside like flies in, in front of his face because he does that all that's his job but he says if he, he uses the leverage if you want things to go well for you i think that's a great insight and i think that's what goes on with the doty thing back to what you're saying about ego the other thing is mm -hmm. i think people just do a quick calculation on is this going to work out for me you know and the way it works out for me is i play game i play the game i play ball with these folks because Doty, it's super easy to ask Doty the questions like like i can't get over it like the latest uh you know when Doty appears on the showtime ufo yeah thing that you know a lot of people hate a lot of people love but i mean mm. he, like when i try and explain this like to my wife you know i said no the guy stands there and says yeah i did that to paul benowitz but it's not my fault they told me to do it and it's like no, what you did is a crime. So whoever told you to do it, you need to go 
make public who they told you to do it because somebody needs to go to jail for this crime. But do we ever ask, well, who told you to do it? Will you swear an affidavit right now that, you know, who, well, no, I'm not going to do that. So it's all just bullshit. It just unravels as bullshit. But why don't we ask just like the obvious next question? They do usually. Um, it's just they hide behind that NDA. I signed an NDA. Can't talk about it ever. It's a crime. Or, no, it's a crime. There's no. It's. I know. Yeah. yeah. But they're 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 covered. You know that it's a crime. But the the government will keep them out of prison if they want to. Do you know who Colonel Michael Aquino is? I know the name, but I can't remember what he's about. Satanist and uh, pedophile. So he's, oh. yeah. Nasty. Yeah, I, don't, I never got into that guy at all. So, so well, he's yeah. a colonel. He was an intelligence officer in, I don't know what is army or whatever. But, yeah. you know, kind of an important guy is connected to a lot of projects that were really pretty significant projects. But where he got busted was in uh, San Francisco in the Presidio school, uh, preschool thing. And yeah. he had, him and his wife had molested all these kids. And these kids came forward, like 30, 40 kids gave testimony to the police. They were able to get a search warrant. They went to his, they went to his house. It's everything that they said, black walls, satanic altar, uh, you know, kids porno kind of thing. All this stuff, all this stuff is found, you know, and he's a Satanist. He admits he's a Satanist. He's passed now, but you know, I'm a Satanist. He wrote the satanic you know, uh, chaplain's guide and all this stuff. Nasty, nasty person. Mm. But a colonel, and still a colonel, was never... And, and then, you know, he was a guy who kind of uh, tried to revise it, revive his reputation. And all this stuff comes out. So he went to the army and said, hey, I want you to expunge and publicly say that none of that stuff is real. And somebody, like these things happen, somebody in the army stood up and said, fuck you. And they wrote a report that people can go look at publicly. It's the final report. It says, no, we will not. We believe we have significant evidence that you did do these crimes, that you did Good. lie, that you did molest these kids. And we are not backing off of that. We may not be able to get the conviction that they sought, but we are not clearing your name. You know, I, I say all that because... I think, again, a lot of people that listen into this conversation, they just want to pick out the parts that they feel are comfortable, that they can kind of, you know, yeah, well, some Pete got to break a couple eggs to do omelets and stuff like that. <laughs> when you dig into this stuff, there's potentially some very, very dark aspects to this in what we call military intelligence that we don't even know how far it goes. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, well... I mean, it, it's nasty. It's uh, that's all. I mean, I, there's not. I mean, that all that stuff, you know, with the pedophile and all that stuff. I mean, that was even in Mufon. You know, their head of Mufon a few years ago, and he was into that. I mean, I don't know why that is such a big thing, but it seems like uh, it is for whatever reason. And I don't know if that goes into whatever satanic cult they're a part of or their belief, but. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it goes deeper than we could ever imagine. It goes to the people who actually probably run the world, you know those those whoever they are, the Illuminati, you know. And uh, yeah, the, the, I don't really get into that too much and all that stuff, but uh, 
it runs pretty deep from what I've un- from what I understand. Okay, man, I've spent an hour pulling you into all these other things that I didn't even kind of totally give you a heads up. We're going to talk about. <laughs> hey, so, so let's talk about Anjali because that's what brought me to Goofon mm. and your kind of excellent show where it's just you, you got to watch this guy's show because it's a it's a ride man you don't know where it's going to go and it goes in a million different places sometimes that are super fun and in this case what i found is it kind of answered a question for me because tell people who anjali we can almost say was she's not past but in a way she is past to tell us tell us a brief sketch of the Anjali story and then how you unraveled it. Believe it or not, a very smart woman who was in intelligence, worked with the FBI, I think. Uh, I mean, she did. Um, she's an Pentagon ex-government. Pentagon isn't Pentagon? Is yeah, she Pentagon. She- yep, that's true. And, you know, with intelligence, you know, similar to Lou, but she was more into the psychology of it. And she's also a professional liar and all this stuff. But she's also an author and an experiencer and has been talking about aliens since she was six years old. Now, so, now let, me, let me just, yeah. I, I can't go too far without kind of asking a question. Like, even that is suspect, right? Because there's some people have said, hey, we've looked into her past. She was really just a secretary. And then there's other people say, hey, when you look into anyone who's really legit in intelligence, yeah, they look like a secretary. They look like they did nothing. So it's we don't know which way to go with that. But I don't want to bury the lead because how does Anjali make it to the public consciousness? I mean, tell people about the press conference. I mean, that's where most people first heard about Anjali. Yeah, that that's where I was just going. You read my mind. Yeah, so... She's been, you know, into this talking to aliens since she was six years old. So one day there's this video that pops up. It was a live press conference that she made for herself. She actually called all the news agencies and said, I have a great announcement I'm going to make in front of the Capitol or uh, wherever she did it. I think uh, it was the Lincoln Memorial. Lincoln Memorial. Thank (laughs) you. Yeah, I always get that. I don't know why I say it wrong. The Lincoln Memorial, and and it's going to be great. Well, the mainstream media didn't show up, and she's she's out there. I think she was in a wheelchair, as she was, and some guy rolls her out, and she makes this announcement in front of, you know, six people. That, her friends, uh, her friends that she gathered there with cameras. I mean, the whole idea that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna send out a press release. You know, you or I could do that tomorrow and say, "Hey, we're gonna have we're gonna have press release for the Lincoln Memorial." I mean, well, why would we expect anyone to show up? But continue. Exactly. Yeah, and she's acting like she's talking to, to a lot of people. You know, scanning the crowd. You know, that's not there and whatnot. And she's saying how there is an expedition that's going to be taking place six months from now, which was last June or whatever. And then in December, she was going to have a research team go out to this guy's uh, property where he there's a, a mountain, this, this land that is on his property that he owns. But on the land is this mountain, this little tunnel that goes down to where aliens are living. And she said she's talked to these tall whites and a couple of different type of aliens and whatnot. 
and she explains how you know when you walk into it, it's it's rocky, and then it go and then it's seamless transition into their world, you know, whatever. And then she says, after uh, several minutes, whatever the experience, she wound up back, and the guy's name was Wayne, who owned the property, and she says. I wound up back on his couch in his house underneath an archway. And, but we come to find out that she's, she takes Adderall and other mood inhibitors. So she's on four prescribed things. And also they took a very potent, uh, I don't know what kind of oil, marijuana oil. I don't know what you call it, but it was this oil that I think made her have a reaction, and I think she hallucinated it all. Um, it's a very strange story, and she has been going around saying that she had this experience. It's it's so long. I mean, I, she met these people at a coffee shop, apparently, and then they got to talking, and she spent eight hours with these people, and apparently her side of the story is Wayne said he had this alien base under the mountain, and he took her there and all this stuff happened. You know, she met right. the aliens, so, talked to so, them. Yeah. I mean, you hit the you hit the high points. There's this woman who kind of comes out of nowhere in terms of the UFO scene, UFO community. She shows up in a wheelchair and says, I've met with the aliens and I'm going to bring a group of scientists back with me in six months. And I'm going to get the whole story and we're going to blow the blow the top off this thing. You know, this is going to be disclosure on another level that you haven't seen before. And this is just last year. And then you go on your show and you say, man, I've been around this shit for a long time. It's just bullshit. It just isn't well, going to happen. And she's going to yeah. invent some kind of story for why it, it won't happen. And that right. will be. So fast forward to her announcement that, and then you're you're you have a little bit of an interchange with her and then what you find out after that well you know immediately that within minutes i said yeah exactly what you said i go there's no way it's not going to happen she's going to come up with an excuse that the mountain caved in or the government found it closed it down and of course something happened you know three months before she was supposed to go out there that she said wayne is too sick from cancer and and is calling the whole thing off because people are harassing him and trying to find out who he is and all this other stuff, which that was true. He did, did have cancer, but the, he just came out recently. Finally, one of these guys, truth seekers found out who Wayne really was. And he came on his show and said, she is full of shit. This, he came, none on, of this he came on your show. He came on your no. show because. No, well, no, he was the on. Guy, what about the guy? The guy who, the guy who comes on your show and says, because the, the show of your, the Goofon show that I listened to on the follow on to Anjali is you had just gotten off of an interview with Anjali where you had kind of confronted her in a nice way. You're not like a real jerk to people or anything like that, but you had just said, Hey, Anjali, yeah. Oh, can't do it. Oh, cancer. Oh, that's really too bad. You know? And what I thought was interesting is like, you, you learn this if you listen to true crime enough. You know, my wife's really into true crime, so we watch a lot of true crime. Yeah, me it's too. It's like when, yeah. when somebody asks somebody about the crime and they go, did you kill her? And their answer is, I, 
I'm a Christian. I wouldn't do that. Or I loved my wife. They don't answer the question. They answer kind of a related question. And I thought when you played this clip, uh, Rich, of you talking to Anjali, that's the first thing that popped in my mind. She doesn't answer the question. She goes, what do you want? You know, or something like that, right? Yeah, because I go, I go, so Wayne has cancer, huh? And she goes, what do you want, Rich? What do you want? And that was on Alien Girls show where she was a, a guest there. And uh, yeah, she went off on me and didn't answer the question. And then you yeah. have a guy call in who says, I found Wayne. And this is all bullshit. There's a golf course. He doesn't live out in the desert per se. He's, there's a golf course on his property. There's a trail on his property. There's no mountains. There's no cave. I found Wayne, right? That's a guy who calls into your show. Right. That was a guy named Ryan who is a movie maker. And all of that was, was wrong. He lied. He made oh, it all Ryan up. lied. Yeah. Oh, Ryan I lied. I can't even follow the damn story. It's so convoluted. That's what I said. You know, if we're going to talk about Anjali, it's it's really it goes all different directions. So this guy Ryan said that he had this evidence and pictures of Wayne's property and Anjali's full of crap and this and that. And he didn't even interview the right person. And he said he paid Wayne a thousand dollars for his information. And we never got to hear the the interview. We never saw real pictures. We saw Google Earth images of the area. And he claimed he had these pictures. So I called him out on his bullshit immediately, and he just vanished. He never came back. He just fell off the planet because it was all a lie. And um, after that, this guy, uh, Stephen Camby on Truth Seekers, got a hold of the real Wayne through the research of somebody named uh, Charlie. I can't remember. Charlie Weiser. And she's a really good researcher and found the real Wayne and got the real Wayne on Truth Seeker show just last week. And he, he spilled the beans on Anjali. And then Anjali came on Truth Seeker show a few days later to rebut what Wayne said. And she found a way to get out of the interview because Stephen raised his voice at her and she said he was screaming at him, which he wasn't. She kept interrupting him every time he made a good point. She'd interrupt him. So she disconnected after 10 minutes and, uh, people who are, I mean, people who are listening to this, this is like one of the challenges to the UFO field that frustrates a hell out of people. And they just get halfway in and they go, screw it, turn on the ball game. I'm done. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't do it anymore, but somewhere in there is where I think we have to be because like, I, 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 I haven't stayed up on this thing, so I'm totally off on the story. So gotcha. please <clears throat> fill me in a little bit on what is the truth about Wayne? What do you think at this point is the truth about Anjali? And then I want to talk about the strawberry ice cream thing and what we really think, you know, is Anjali just serving up more strawberry ice cream? She is a, a writer. And I believe she believes she has experiences. Now, her personality mixed in with, and, and you know, it's true because she said it on air, so I'm not slandering her. She takes a lot of medications. And when, when I found out with five things that she was on, I mean, I was like, whoa, that makes sense. So you have somebody with this imagination since six years old talking about aliens. She wrote a book 
and uh, now doesn't charge for it. She gives it away for free, talking about her experience with aliens. So what happened was Wayne came on Truth Seekers and said, there's no alien base. Showed us, showed us a picture of the mountain. It's not even a mountain. You know, it's a, it's a hill. It's not even 100 feet. And, um, and he called her out on the bullshit. And does, that's she know, does he know, does Wayne know Anjali? Does he, he does did, he, they met, they really did meet, but he didn't even know that she had the press conference. He didn't know any of this. See, I think Anjali thought she could get away with this story and say it and nobody would ever look into it. They just figured we would just say, ah, just another story and not look into it. But when somebody makes claims that they're going to get evidence that aliens are in a, in a base underground in this guy's mountain. Uh, that's going to raise a lot of eyebrows and get people watching. And I think she knew that. Of course she did. She knew what she was doing. So, her so pers- if, yeah. somebody like Ryan, how do they factor? Because this is another, you know, who is somebody like Ryan? Just somebody who's a nobody who just wants a little bit of blip of be on your show for five minutes just to tell something that's... Yeah, that's who Ryan was. Ryan is a filmmaker and he's done it before. He, he did it with Travis Walton, you know, trying to say uh, he he said he did an interview with Travis Walton, which he did. But he took the conversation and edited it to make it sound like they were talking about something else. So when in, the, in one of the conversation in part of the conversation, Ryan goes, so did you guys? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. He spoke with Mike, the guy who supposedly faked it with Travis, the driver, when Travis Walton got you know, abducted, he drove away. That was his best friend. This is his best friend or his brother, I thought. No, brother-in-law. I think it's his best friend. Okay. Yeah. So just again, to not get too much inside baseball, another point where I've been duped, I talked about Travis Walton as if it was real for a long time. I think on your show, it just kind of clued me into going and doing the research. One of the most famous cases of all time, Travis Walton, he's in Arizona logging with a bunch of his buddies and... The spaceship comes down, it zaps him. They think he's dead. His friends drive off. He's beamed up into the ship. He's healed. And five days later, he shows up and all his buddies pass a lie detector test. They're under suspicion for murder. So clearly they wouldn't be lying because there's all this thing. Turns out the thing's fake. Turns out that Travis made it up. They staged it so that the other guys wouldn't know, which is the best way to have witnesses of you stage it and show it. And they really think it's real at some level and all the rest. So the whole Travis Walton, one of the foundational cases in the UFO lore is highly, highly sus at this point. So, but with that, go ahead and continue. Yeah. So Ryan edited the conversation from Mike and saying, did you guys hoax it? And then you could, you know, almost tell that it was edited. And he's like, yeah, we faked it, you know? So he just edited the conversation and made it work in his favor. Um, but that's what uh, that Ryan guy did with Anjali's story and the Wayne. He, he didn't even have the right guy. So he just tried to get his 15 minutes. That's it. So Ryan, yeah, he was a big waste of time, wasted everybody's time. And he came on the show drunk. You know, he was totally inebriated and just slurring his words. It was awful, just awful. Um, But that's, you know, this is the problem when you have someone like Anjali making such great claims and not having any evidence. And when you call her out on it 
And then three months later, you, you're right. She's still denying it, saying you're not right. The base is really there. And she's still going on about it actually being real. So best guess at this point, is Anjali uh, Ryan or is Anjali uh, Doty or something in between? What do you No, Anjali is just a liar. She's just a just, Ryan, just a Ryan kind of, because well, we don't think, we don't think Ryan is a real operative. We don't think Ryan no, is he's, connected and has real He's things. nobody. Right. He's nobody. So Anjali, because the other thing that, that just, again, I, I'm totally accepting of what you're saying, but you know, when you, she, she has these political connections, she ran for office in South Dakota and she plays that down. Like just so people know the way I found Anjali is I just kind of stumbled across the story. I go, this is ridiculous. I look for hmm. interviews. The first interview I find is Whitley Strieber. And we can talk about Whitley Strieber in a minute. I've had a couple of interviews with him. He's been on my show. I've been on his show. I, I love and respect Whitley Strieber and you know, he's been at it, hasn't changed his story in 30 years. You don't feel exactly the same way, but I want to hear about that. But the point is I find Anjali on Whitley Strieber and Whitley Strieber says, the interview you're about to hear from me is different from everything else you're going to hear from this woman. And she comes on and she does a great interview. She's really compelling. She's very composed. She's very intelligent, which again kind of rings with the Doty, like, or, you know, Lou Elizondo thing, very well spoken. Sure. Ran yeah. for political office in South Dakota. That's not accident. Yeah, they asked me to do it and I did it, but I wouldn't take money, you know, and this and that. It just rings of somebody who is somehow in some way, you know, connected and then has these intelligence. So then we get to the rest of it and I'm like, Wow, she is not a Ryan, you know, calls up drunk on the show to get right with a hacked up. She's not that. Are you sure she's just delusional and on drugs and all the rest of that? I mean, isn't there because the the counterintelligence sometimes they do some stuff that looks really, really stupid, but it's part of the chess game, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's all she's just bullshit. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no uh, deep thinking you need to figure this one out. There's You don't even need to do a lot of research to figure it out. She is 100% making it all up. And I don't know why. It may be for a new career because she, uh, you know, really can't function like she used to. You know, she does take a lot, uh, you know, several medications prescribed to her. And uh, it's pretty scary. Now, she just put a picture up saying uh, these are, I don't know, I have it somewhere, but it, it was a, a hoax that was made five years ago. And somebody sent her this picture and she said, those are the beings. That's their craft. This is by far them. You know, it's real. And then, you know, we found out it was total bullshit. It, it, was, it was a video made years ago and she took the still frame for, or somebody took a still frame and sent it to her and said, is this them? And she's like, that is them. That's their ship. So she's just bullshit. She's just a person, a grifter, you know, somebody who wants their 15 minutes of fame. That's it. Now, a lot of people think her timing couldn't have been any better because as soon as the 180 days came and went, you know, that preliminary thing that came out last June 25th, once that ended, she came out like three, four weeks later. 
And now her and Lou have the same background, basically, you know, uh, almost did the same type of uh, thing, you know, for the government. It's, what do you think about the people who looked into her background and said she was just a secretary? Don't pay any attention to that. Um, I don't think she was. Well, that was also Ryan who said that. He's the one who found that out. I, I don't know. She didn't stay at her jobs that long. She was only at them for, you know, maybe a couple of years at most, and then she would hop on somewhere else. And I don't know if that's because, you know, she's a little unstable mentally. And, you know, after a while, maybe calling out sick or having issues with, you know, working with people. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, she hopped around quite a bit. Because on, on Whitley's show, she, again, her account sounded credible. And it mm -hmm. echoes back to me in terms of what you're saying about Lou is you, Lou Elizondo. You listen to these people and you go, wow, uh, he's really good. Tell me more. I'm in a trance. I can't stop listening. That's how I felt <laughs> listening to Anjali when she's talking about, oh, you know, my mentor at the Pentagon, one of the greatest, you know, women bosses I've ever had. And she deserves so much credit. And what we were doing was really doing you know, counterintelligence, psychological breakdowns of these people, because we learned, you know, in Afghanistan and other places that if we didn't know our opponent on this deep psychological level, then we were prone to make kind of mistakes. And I'm going, wow, that was really amazing. And then I hear this other thing. Oh, no, she's just a secretary. She's faking it. And it's like, I, I don't know. But again, I'm not totally can't be totally sold on like when you make the connection of her and Lou, I want, I keep wanting to go, well, Rich, isn't that kind of pulling you the other way that there's a lot of different ops that they're running? How do we know this isn't some sort of op in some way? We just don't know. Got to go with your gut sometimes. And whatever your gut tells you is probably right in this field, because if it looks like a duck and acts like a duck, you know, it's a duck. And uh, we see the same stuff with her that we do with many people, Brian Bledsoe uh, and some other people who faked their way through this uh, field. Oh, you, you keep bringing them up, man. Set them up, knock them down. Ryan Bledsoe, son of Chris Bledsoe. And Krista, I meant Christopher Bledsoe. Yeah, Chris and Ryan. Yeah. Well, well, what do you think about father and son? And what do you think it, about... <laughs> Okay, worst so, ever. So uh, Grant Grant Cameron. <sighs> Grant Grant Cameron, yeah. real or or I mean, I, I've I've had it out with Grant a bunch of times because like I've been doing this consciousness thing for like a long time. And again, some of the top scientists, you know, because the consciousness thing where you go first is the scientists, the parapsychology people, the people like Dean Radin, who've brought in into the lab and did the experiment where you have the photon beam generator. And then you have a guy who says, okay, can you affect the photon beam generator? Mm. And if you can affect the photon beam generator, then all bets are off because that's not supposed to be able to happen. Consciousness is not supposed to be projected into the real world, or we don't have the real world as science thinks we do. So Dean Radin does that and he proves what we knew for the last hundred years when, you know, Max Planck and uh, Albert Einstein were battling it out and Einstein eventually said, oh, screw it. You're right. Yeah, it does affect it. And this guy does the experiment. So anyways, that's where you start if you want to prove that stuff. 
But then the point is, if that's true, then all this stuff just starts looking, all this stuff just starts looking differently. And uh, I don't know, my different taking how? Too far? Bad? What's that? What's it that? looks bad. You said you and you start taking a look at this stuff differently. It doesn't look bad. It just looks like, like with Grant Cameron, the reason that I, I kind of got into it with Grant Cameron is the good ET versus bad ET. And I mm -hmm. did a show with Dolan on the good ET versus bad ET thing. And Grant Cameron has done a bunch of research with this guy down in Miami, who he used to be friends and now he hates me, Ray Hernandez, who did this whole survey of people who've had experience and they got back this data on what that, on the ET contact experience. And he said, hey, you know, 90% of the 80% of these people, let me get the stat right, 80% of these people say, you know what, the experience was, for the most part, positive. And I mm -hmm. feel that it was spiritually transformative for me. And then there's these people that say, yeah, it's negative. And some of them even say, well, you know, over time, I came to appreciate that there was something good about the experience. So that data kind of aligns up with the near death experience data that we have, which is again, more solid, they've done it in the hospital, you know, where I don't want to go into that. I don't want to like bore you, but if you ever want to know about near death experience, call me and I'll tell you about the science because they've proved it in hospitals okay. in the cardiac arrest ward, but not to digress anymore. Well, where they already. saw writing uh, something on top of the light fixtures and people in church praying and well, that what the do, doctors were saying. And they do that. But the simplest experiment, if you ever want to talk to people about near death experience who are non-believers is mm -hmm. they did this one is for the near-death experience science, you're going to want to look at the science that's done in hospital. Because if you interview people 20 years after they've had it, it, all sorts of stuff. So what they do is they go into a hospital and you get checked into the cardiac arrest ward because you're going to have a heart attack. When they come into the, you come into the hospital, they say, okay, this guy is ready to go. If you had too many beef sandwiches, he's good. So <laughs> the woman walks up, in this case, Dr. Uh, Penny Sartori, again, interviewed on the show, in, incredibly doctor, you know, well-credentialed, published peer-reviewed papers. And she goes, hey, Rich, you seem like a nice guy. I wish the best for you, buddy. But <laughs> if you do have that heart attack, can I talk to you after? And you say, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you mean if I live, right? Yeah, yeah, if you live. So she does that. She goes in, cool. she interviews all these people who are admitted to the cardiac arrest ward. Then she goes back and finds the one that do have a heart attack. And like a lot of people don't know this, but if you have a card, if you have a cardiac arrest, a heart attack, even in a well-equipped hospital, she was in Britain when she was doing this, you don't get like resuscitated, like immediately. You don't like come back to life, you know, like 10 seconds later, mm. it's like two, three minutes, maybe more. Wow. And they, you know, have to call in the team and they bring in the cart and they adjust the things <laughs> and they put the path first, they start just pumping, see if that works. Then that doesn't yeah. work. They put the, it's a process. It's, it's minutes long. And we know what happens to your brain during that process. We have, tons of 60 years of data of what your EEG looks like when your heart stops. Within 10 to 15 seconds, most people, it is completely flatline. And you'll hear other stuff, but those are people who are just trying to cloud the, cloud the issue. 
That is a fact. That is a medical fact. Talk to anyone mm -hmm. who knows that data. I've talked to many. Back to Penny. So what Penny does now is you've been resuscitated, <clears throat> Rich. And she goes up to you and she says, great, remember me? We talked when you came in. Can I ask you some questions about your resuscitation? And like the people who didn't have a near-death experience go, lady, what are you talking about? I died. Didn't you hear? I died. I was gone for three minutes. There's nothing. Yeah. I, I was, it was black and then I was back to life. He goes, oh, okay. She goes, well, just tell me what you think happened. Tell me your best guess, you know? So they go, well, uh, okay. And they start saying this stuff like out of a TV show, right? Yeah. And then she goes over to this other group of people in the same group. You know, she has her control. That's her control group. And then she goes to people who have the near-death experience. She doesn't know it at the time, but she says, hey, tell me what happened during your resuscitation. They go, oh, my God. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. I saw everything. And it was mm -hmm. crazy because I was outside of my body. And the first thing you know, they wheel in this cart. And there's this guy who had this crazy hat on that was like all orange and i don't know what the heck he was doing but he jumped on me and then they did the paddle and they somehow got it wrong and they had to bring in another and he tells you boom 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 all these things that you wouldn't see in a tv show that most people yeah. don't know happen and they get it right point after point well this is in simple terms the best evidence we have that consciousness survives bodily death again the reason that's for so a little bit it doesn't, you can't say for a little bit. We don't know, right? We don't know, but we know it's the, at least for a little bit. And we know that that is a complete <clears throat> departure from what neuroscience says. When you went to school, when I went to school, when my kids, uh, they, they, to still to this day, they say, no, 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 that, that couldn't happen. That's can't possibly happen. Your brain right. is just a pile of, it can't possibly happen that way. Well, they're just, they're just running a game in the same way they were talking about all this other stuff. They're running an op because they just don't want to shift for whatever reasons we can get into. But yeah. that's the that's the the reality of the of the near death experience. That's how they know it's real. I mean, when you that's pretty solid uh, science, you know. It sure is. Um, people seeing what's going on around them and they're dead. Uh, that, I don't know how you can explain it. There's no other way other than your conscious, conscious mind, consciousness exists after you're gone. For how so long, here, I don't know. But well, here's wow. here's the rest of the story, and okay. I appreciate you kind of listening to it. Oh yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm talking to Grant Cameron, and Grant Cameron has now become, and he's known me for a long time, and he's been influenced by a lot of my shows and a lot of my interviews, you know, because he didn't know about a lot of this stuff. So he starts on this consciousness thing and he's like, he's like a convert, you know, he's like a religious convert. He's like, it's all consciousness. It's all good. It's all God. It's all light. Right. It's all perfect. And I'm like, well, not necessarily. I mean, there's some people are saying they're getting raped by aliens and we don't know if that's true or not, but if it is true in any way, we wouldn't associate that with being all light and love. <laughs> And we got a lot of this other stuff out there that we wouldn't necessarily throw in the light and love category. So don't we need to be a little more nuanced? Don't we need to dig a little bit further? No, there's no such thing as evil. It's all, you know, that he's a total convert at this point mm. about the consciousness thing. And that's what kind of irks me a little bit because it's like, hey, you know, that's not 
that just doesn't fit the data. It doesn't fit the scientific data. So why do you think he does that though? Because he's a believer. No, he believes that it's a religious thing. It becomes I know, but he doesn't believe there's any negative stuff, even though people are saying that. How does he not know? No, he says it's all their perception. Oh, come on. That, and it's all perception the other way too, dude. You know what I mean? That's what I would tell. Not you, dude, him, dude. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all perception. Totally. So it's all perception, both positively and negatively. So how could he say that? It, it can't be one-sided. That's what frustrates me about Grant Cameron. He's well, in, he but, went from nuts and bolts to this. And yeah, it's weird. But, but so, go ahead. So, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. I want you to interrupt. Please, because you can see if you don't interrupt me, you're going to have okay, a okay. here. But so Grant Cameron, to finish the story, right? Grant Cameron is driving down to Florida and he says, well, I'll just stop off and see my buddy Chris Bledsoe. And he sees Chris Bledsoe and he says what happens in the backyard and the dog and the blood and yeah. all that stuff. And he's either flat out freaking lying his ass off and making up a story which isn't exactly consistent with who grant cameron is i mean maybe it is maybe it isn't but it isn't doesn't fit the pattern of grant cameron mm -hmm. or those things really happened you know what i mean his perception <laughs> that's what it is yeah because i've heard stories uh there was a guy science bob is what they call him and he spent five days over at Bledsoe's house and said, oh, all this stuff, it really did happen to him. And they saw the orbs and this and that. And I'm like, well, where's the video? And he's like, oh, we didn't get it on video. And I'm like, so how do you know you weren't being duped? How do you know it wasn't his son creating this stuff and all that? And nope, nope, it definitely, you had to be there. You had to be there. And I'm like, I just don't buy it. And I think that these guys want to believe in it so badly. And I think what they're really doing is having dreams. And I think they're making their dreams in the stories. That's it. That's what I think is really going on with Bledsoe's. I think he, he originally had an experience the first, that one time. And then after that, you know, he disappeared for a while. Then all of a sudden he came back and came out with this story that he's being visited and has this connection. And all of a sudden, then his son I mean, it's just one thing after another. And when you see the evidence, it's it's awful. And you got God forbid you say anything negatively about it. You're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I've got more time knowing how to, you know, what's on a video and recorded the same stuff. I know what you're doing. Yeah. So it, it's all bullshit with him. My opinion. I'm not. I'm not sure. And I mean that in literally, I'm just not sure. There's I'm some sure. Thing, things about. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, sorry. I'm sure. The, but what, what do you think of uh, Diana Walsh Pasolka? Do you know her, American Cosmic, the professor? Yeah, I uh, didn't get into to studying her enough to, to say either way. I kind of like her from what I've seen. So, friends with Chris Bledsoe. Good friends, yeah. family, yeah. like she meets, like her story, she's a professor of religion at uh, North Carolina, something or other, not UNC, but another one of the UNC schools. Anyways, yeah, yeah, respected, highly regarded in her field, and she's investigating Catholic uh, visions, you know, of these 
saints and whatever yeah. nuns from hundreds of years ago. And she shows her thing to some guy and he goes, that's a UFO encounter. That's it. She goes, what are you talking? No, it's this nun from 300 years ago who had, she goes, he goes it, it just is exactly like a UFO encounter. So she's extremely bright and she goes, I got to start investigating this. There turns out to be a UFO conference close to her house. She drives there and one of the guys presenting is Chris Bledsoe. Mm. And she gets to be friends with Chris. They have kids who are kind of the same age. Kids start getting to know each other. They drive, they meet, da da. I don't know. I Diana Wasposalka does not strike me as a bullshitter and a liar. And her connections like to Jacques Vallée, whatever you think about Jacques Vallée, doesn't impress me as a bullshitter, a liar, you know, and she's kind of he's kind of standing up for diana walsh pasolka diana walsh pasolka says no I, chris bledsoe is the real deal and all this other stuff so did you know that or what do you think of that i recall it and uh i i just brushed it off as people just don't know they don't know i i, I definitely remember saying that about her like she just doesn't know she may sound smart like a lot of these people sound smart, are smart. They say the right things, but they are still human. They still have emotions. They still make mistakes. And I, I think it's something that, um, that they want to believe in so badly that they won't accept any other answer, unfortunately. You know, I got to tell you, Rich, that doesn't exactly fit her story because she's kind of a researcher and takes this research approach to it. Do you know when she goes out to the desert and she finds the the stuff? She finds the, do you know the Tyler story and all that? Tyler who? Okay, so uh, Diana Walsh Pasolka gets into the UFO thing, meets Chris Bledsoe, and she starts going, holy crap, what if this Catholic study stuff that I've been doing, and you can kind of trace her history. Just like you said, you can trace the history of uh, Lou Elizondo, and it's all military intelligence, counterintelligence, military intelligence. Yeah. You trace her history, and it's all, no, she's a legitimate professor of religion that should be just kind of nothing, you know, in, in the bigger world. She gets onto this story, and she doesn't let go. She goes out to another conference, and meets Jacques Vallée and Jacques Vallée personally takes her around Silicon Valley because he likes her and says, you know, da, 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 da. And here's what I found in this net. She meets up with this guy named Tyler and Tyler is, mm -hmm. it, it, it's his pseudonym, Tyler Durden from Fight Club. But Tyler says, you know what I've done? I've actually found craft pieces, tiny little craft pieces in the desert. I've reverse engineered them and filed patents on him and i made a ton of money and she says the one thing i know about tyler is he did dress in thousand dollar suits he did call lear jets like their ubers and they would private jet would land and he'd take off and he did buy us lunch me and my buddy at the ritz for a thousand dollars so he is he does have he does seem to have a lot of money and he was out there with us in the desert and we all together found you know these little pieces of whatever they are which jacques valet has said that he has found too so that is the full 
more full story of Diana Walsh Pasulka, and it does kind of make a difference in terms of what uh, Chris Bledsoe's saying, and especially when you, you know, Grant Cameron. I mean, this is such a maze, such a hall of mirrors. But like I was saying, I, rather than just go turn on the ball game, I think we have to kind of go through the hall of mirrors the best we can. And you're doing it. I'm not. I'm not. You know. This is kind of switched over this interview, but you're doing it. So we're just kind of sharing what we've learned kind of things. I just know that, you know, I, you know, whatever she is, a writer and uh, of religious things, and she has a degree and all that. But what does she have a degree in? Uh, she's a professor, isn't she, of religious, yeah, religious, uh, religious studies? Right. Okay. It doesn't mean she would know what uh, UFOs look like on video or what a, a medal would be. I mean, she's taking somebody else's word for it. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I've seen so much and I'd have to look into her a little more. I definitely know who she is. I just have so many hours in the day doing, you know, all different things. There's no way you can get to everybody, but I'm trying. But um, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to ask my friend. Uh, he's done a he's done a lot of work about Diana, and I remember him not not believing her, calling her out on her bullshit. He said, "So I'm gonna I'll talk to him and get more information on her." But that's the problem I find: just because somebody's really smart has a degree doesn't mean they know what they're talking about when it comes to aliens, UFOs, medals, videos, the actual proof. Hmm. And, yeah, and a lot of people. And a lot of people lie just because they can. They like it. They're narcissists, maybe, or they like the attention. You know, yeah, I don't know, man. Well, it's, you know, it's the, frustrating. the flip side, the, I get you. I totally get yeah. you. And you're fighting the good fight in there trying to be fair-minded and figuring this out. And you're not like a, a, a skeptic in the kind of classical way of just piss on everything kind of thing. But I got to well, tell you, everybody's going to say that though, this guy doesn't believe anything, you know, because every time I've asked for proof and, and try to get the truth, you know, and, and people fail every single time. So I just think we I have just, to be careful with that. I spent, you know, yeah. the first five years of this show working with talking to skeptics, quote unquote skeptics back in the day when there was the James Randi thing. I don't remember way back in the day. Yeah, and, of course. You know, and one of so my James, favorite guys. Yeah. Really? The magician. Yeah. You, you, the you, amazing Randy. You, you kind of believe him or you see him as an op? Wait, the, you're talking the amazing Randy's he debunks everything. Well, he did. He's passed, but he was fake. He wasn't real. Wait, are we talking about the same thing? James, then? James Randy. Uh, so you, you kind of think Randy was, uh, was real. Hold on. A, you, the, you're talking about the, the magician, the guy yes. who's R Randy research Institute or whatever they call it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean? He's so, a bullshitter. He, he debunked. He was a magician. He knew how all the tricks were being done. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So you got to do what don't I know? So that's an hour. That's an hour. Yeah. But all right. Yeah. Um, why would I had him on the show? I had him on my show way back in the oh, day. Oh, no way. And, um, that's awesome. So the, in, the thing about Randy is, I mean, one, he kind of admitted he was a liar and he just said that, well, I lie. It's kind of a Lou Elizondo thing said I lie for the right reasons, but what you might want to look into just as a starting point 
with yeah. Randy is his uh, claim, you know, like Randy's whole story, same way that we're talking about this other stuff. You know what Randy's story was, his claim was that he had this like off the charts IQ, even though he had never been tested. He had like this special card at the library that let him see these secret documents. And then he went on to say that he was working with the local police to try and trap these young kids who were making uh, sexual prank calls to him. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know about that. Look it up. They got the, 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 they have the, he went to court. So there's court documents on this. Wow. But what it starts to look like is all these other things we've seen, like when you said the, the pedophile thing and the entrapment and, you know, what we now know about Jeffrey Epstein is, hey, if you want to control somebody, what you want to do is get some dirt on them, some really bad dirt that would kind of destroy him. Now, Randy later comes out and says, hey, I'm a gay man. I was a closeted gay man for the longest yeah. time and all the rest of that. Now, he never admitted, he never, I don't know if you want to say admitted that, but then how does that fit back into the story? He said, yeah, these darn 14 year old boys were uh, calling me and uh, we we're having sexually mm. explicit conversations and the police asked me to, infiltrate who was making these calls oh my goodness that doesn't really hold up very well and it fits more into the story of this guy becomes a compromised individual that then they can go and do the you know debunking kind of thing because the people he debunks and stuff like that and like if we get into it and we ever have that hour-long conversation about it you know i'll tell you about the cambridge biologist who i interviewed who proved all all of his stuff. And when I approached Randy about it in the million dollar challenge, and he just kind of got all mad and just went away, you know, but wow, the skeptic thing is really, really interesting. And from what you're saying, you don't quite know what it's about. It's about a lot of the same things that the UFO skeptic thing was, where it was an op, you know, I mean, some of it was an op, right? Back in the day, of course. Yeah, they want to see what the public's going to do, you know, how they react. That's what I think happens. I think they test us to see what, what we'll believe and what we won't. And the weird thing is, when I was in California last year, we walked up and down the Santa Monica Pier, and we were talking to people, asking them if they know what a UAP is. And, you know, they were trying to change this UFO to UAP and everybody talk about, you know, let's say UAP. That's an odd. Uh, I agree. Yeah. So when we were asking people, do you know what a UAP is? And they said, oh, what? You know, nobody knew. So the public didn't know what a UAP was. Um, then also what other people were, were saying, we, you know, when we told them, oh, it means unidentified aerial phenomenon, they'd be... They go, oh, aliens? And then we're like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's like UFO. And they're like, oh, aren't aliens going to attack us soon or something? And everybody thinks because of Lou and his threat and saying it for years that there was going to be an alien invasion. It's very weird. See, now, and that's, that's what they did. They got the public believing. Even my parents said the same thing. My dad goes, yeah, I saw that guy again saying that aliens are coming in shit. It's ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, maybe true. You know, so even though it did, he didn't say aliens are coming, that's so funny how people interpret it. Well, it, it, uh, uh, it's like they're market testing. You know, it's like yeah, they're doing focus 100%. groups. 
focus group. That's hey, let's focus group UAP. Throw it out there, see what happens. Because that's the other thing I think. I'll ask you this. I think that sometimes people assume that there's more intelligence in intelligence than there really is. <laughs> a lot of this is just, you know, throw the shit up against the wall and see what sticks kind of thing. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. That's what Lou's doing now. And now, you know, he's going around on these podcasts that don't even have a thousand subscribers and going on other ones that have, you know, 100,000. You know, he's hitting all areas, but he's not going to the other side that'll ask the hard questions. So that scares us. Uh, Rich, as we kind of head towards the, the finish line here, and I appreciate you mm -hmm. just kind of sharing all this, what's kind of got your, what's kind of got your interest kind of on the immediate short term and longer term, you know, what has your interest? We talked about consciousness, which is kind of pulling you in a different direction, but what's in the immediate radar and what's longer term? The immediate radar now is the interest in what's being said now by Elizondo and the other people, people that are going on mainstream media and all the outlets, they're saying that we are worried, which this was said back in the fifties. Uh, we're worried about the private corporations, the, you know, the black budget programs, getting this technology and detaching themselves from the government and doing something nefarious with this technology. So the government's actually very worried that, the people they're paying, privately funded, black op thing, whatever, they're afraid that they have technology they don't even know about and can be used against them. So they're having an issue with these private corporations now. That's why they always kept their eye on uh, on uh, Elon Musk. You know, they didn't want him to get too big or too good, you know, because we don't want them to take over or make their own country or do something nefarious with this technology. That's, that's a very, very interesting point, man. You're digging in some interesting wells. What so, do you think yeah. about, uh, I can't resist, you know, we could just go on for hours probably, but yeah. Danny Sheehan is Danny Sheehan has said that has said that almost right. exact same thing that there are these other entities, this breakaway civilization kind of thing, or breakaway military power. He is on record with, with saying that. that. It's for sure an op. Is any of it true? And when I, I'll throw one other piece on the table there. 9-11, directed energy weapon. I mean, ah. it, it, it does look like there is some exotic technology that was in play there. And Hell if yeah. there is... If there was, who possesses that technology? And that was 20 years ago. What do they possess now? And it adds legitimacy to the thought, the thought experiment that if someone did possess that or broke away with that, what would that mean? It's a lot to unravel. Tell us where you're at. Where does the current, current thinking from Goofon on that? Well, the current thinking is that the Tic Tac can be used as a weapon, a hypersonic weapon, and can probably, uh, I think it's ours after all, you know, forever I was saying it's probably China, you know, because they gave us those drones, those DJI, DJI drones to the military, and they were infiltrating us with the drones, and we didn't even know it, which is why we stopped having contract with DJI. Um but I thought it was China. I actually now think it's us that we have these weapons. We don't even know about it. The Tic Tac, 
I think is probably a breakaway company that is testing this stuff on our own military, the best and the be- the best of the best. Who would you want to test it on? And if they have this technology, holy mackerel! If uh, if Putin decided he wanted to launch seventy six hundred you know warheads at us, uh, we could take them out as soon as they leave the silo. You know, so that's probably what's going on in some way or another. There's so many different levels on this, and we could never stop. But are, are you aware? Are you aware of the EMI electromagnetic interference attack on the cruise ship? I live here in San Diego, off the coast of San Diego. This was like national news. The ship winds up dead in the water. Everything electrical on the ship is fried. And they tie it back to, well, if you believe the people. But, I mean, something happened. There was an EMI attack on that ship. People can go look it up. China, right? So they tie it back and they say, hey, China was saber rattling with, hey, we're working on this. And this was a while ago, I forget, but it's probably 20 years or whatever. It would kind of fit in your story. And that's like something people could kind of ground themselves on. The thing about the Tic Tac, when you go there, again, how do you process that, what you just said, which I disagree with you on, but respectfully. Well, I don't even know. (laughs) Because the consciousness component. You know, the consciousness component. I interviewed uh, the guy. Do you know who Kevin Day is in that whole thing? Yeah, he was the radar guy. So I interviewed him. I interviewed him on this show. Interesting guy. And do you know about his consciousness thing? Do you know about the Valet Davis effect? So he goes, so Valet, Jacques Valet and Davis, apologize, I forget the guy's name, PhD. They did this broader study. And Jacques Vallée, for people to know, you know, he's the guy who's portrayed in the Close Encounters movie. He's this brilliant, brilliant, brilliant PhD, computer scientist, made a ton of money in uh, Silicon Valley as a venture capitalist. Legitimately, you can go look at the companies and stuff like that. It's not like fake setup kind of stuff. And he has these metals that he's collected from these sites because he's one of the top UFO researchers, has been for years and years. 30 years, whatever. And the reason that's important with the Tic Tac thing is, and I just want you to respond to this small part of it. Do you remember the part of the Tic Tac thing, and Kevin Day verifies this, is they had this secret coordinate that they were all going to meet at. You know, these planes are flying at supersonic speed. Hey, go out 30 miles over here and we'll all meet. And they go there to meet and there's the Tic Tac. There's ET, there's the UFO. And the only way that that ET can know that is consciousness, uh, reading eh. minds. Eh. Wrong. Okay, remote viewing then, because you're comfortable with remote viewing. Okay, Wrong. Tell me, tell me. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I'm joking a little bit. No, that's All okay. right. So if it's, if it's a, a, let's say it's ours, okay, it's not ET. And, you know, this, uh, this technology is being tested on Fravor and on our Navy and the pilots without them knowing, maybe not even the admiral of the ship knowing or whatever, but don't you think it was planned? Like they knew where they were going to go because they had the information. So they just sent the, another Tic Tac over their way. Maybe it wasn't the same one. It could have been a different one. I uh, see. That's why I have a problem with the story because they want to make it into consciousness so bad. But why can't it just be one of the hundreds that they said they saw 
just another one there. And they knew where he was going to go anyway, because it was part of the routine. So two things here, and this is kind of the thing that I guess I was calling you on before and I'd call you on again, is you can't be a remote, if you're a remote viewing guy, which you are, if you're an empath, which you are, if you believe in psychic stuff, which you do, then you have a different Occam's razor than the rest of these guys. And you can't then jump onto the other side and say, there's no way they could know that because you're already in that soup. You're already saying that you're already giving the fact that if it is ET, of course, ET has this ability to enter this extended consciousness realm and do the remote viewing 10 times better, 100 times better than Rich can do it, right? So not no. saying that we can definitively yeah. say one way or another, but you can't use that excuse. You can't go back and say, well, there's no, t no way ET would know that because you're already you know, remember how put off is part of the remote viewing project, right? How put off is Stanford Research Institute, Stargate, MK Ultra, which it was a sub project of MK yeah. Ultra. A lot of people don't know that Stargate was a sub project. And Sidney Gottlieb, you know, the, the kind of US's Mengele, like if you listen to how put off and Russell Targ, they say, oh yeah, Sydney wanted to do this. And, but Sydney was their boss. So anyone who has doubts that that was an MKUltra program, it was. But what do you think about my pushback there is you're already in the soup, buddy. I mean, if you're believing in remote viewing, then why not? I, I didn't, I said I, I've done remote viewing and I had good success with it. I mean, but I mean, some people are just really good at, uh, dissecting things in real time to where it's not a psychic ability. It's, it's really guessing. It's a guessing game. It's high probability is what I think. And yeah, I know it's strange. I could tell you a story about remote viewing that I did, but it doesn't really matter because you got these guys are flying their jets. And if ET was able to have this ability to know where they're going to go. I, I always go to Occam's razor. Like you said earlier, the most logical explanation, the simplest one is the answer. And that's, they knew their course of action. They knew where they were going to go. Yeah. Cause they I, read their mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't know. You get my yeah. point is that's, I on get the, table. the point. Cause here's, the, here's the Kevin most Dick? logical thing. Yeah. It, it's exact. You can't say you can no longer say rich, most logical because you say you do remote viewing and you know that it works, which has been verified in the lab that it works. You're not the only one out there saying it, right? But if can you, you can remote yeah. view, then you can know where this coordinate is. I'll just finish the story with Kevin Day because it's super All right. fascinating yeah. guy. Again, I interviewed the guy, guy feels totally legit to me because he's his, his experience was Number one, the mental consciousness thing is, I don't know if you know this, but the, the tic-tac, whatever it was, was trailing the ship for seven days. And I said, Kevin, because do you know the screened memory reports on the abduction? You know, people say, I, you know, I was walking down the stairs. My wife was having an incredibly traumatic experience with ET. And suddenly my mind just said, 
this is nothing. Go back upstairs and go to bed. Yeah. And I went back upstairs and I went to bed. So this is a common thing, whether you believe it or not. Yeah. So I asked Kevin, I go, Kevin, you are top gun, top dog, radar guy. These things are trailing you for seven days and you don't mention it to the CO? And he goes, yeah, that is kind of strange, isn't it? So then what happens is he actually goes up top to take a look at some point. Right. And he looks through the glasses and he has this experience that traumatizes him. He comes back to San Diego, he retires from the military and he goes into the VA. He says, hey man, I'm, I can't do anything. I have, I have kind of PTSD, but it's not really PTSD. And then he finds out Jacques Vallée Davis, Vallée Davis effects, where they've said that people can just be part of a UFO sighting and their life just kind of falls apart. It's just, they can't even process it. It just becomes kind of traumatic. And he said, this is Kevin Day saying, when I found that, that provided me a pathway towards relief because I could now understand that maybe just that encounter of just looking through the lens might've had an effect on me. I just throw it out there for what it's worth. Yeah. Well, Kevin Day uh, should have should have had psych analysis done to him because that guy lost his mind because nobody would believe him. You know, I mean, he was he literally, you know, got into drugs and alcohol, lost his family, lost everything because he said and this was in the documentary or the TV show, whatever he said, because nobody believed him and it was driving him nuts. It drove him to drink and do other things. I'm like, that's the kind of guy we have running radar uh, in our military. You know, he was that unstable even then because he didn't report the UFO that was following them for seven days. Why? Because I think he was interested in what it was. I don't think he wanted to tell anybody. I don't know. Or well, he had he had this uh, thing happen to him from the aliens just by observing it. You know, it's possible. That's that's his claim. And. You know, again, Valley yeah. Davis, that they, Valley Davis effect, they call it that because they've documented that over and over again. But my understanding from my memory serves and right, Kevin Day comes back from that thing and he's, he's boom, he's out of there. He retires from the Navy and that's when the things start happening for, but I don't know. I don't know. Didn't he? Yeah. He started losing it all, right? Because yeah. nobody believed him. Yeah. And that's, that's what he, he said. Yeah. Yeah. And he right. saw it on, he walked into a bar to get a drink and, or I don't know what it was. And he saw on the television that they, Lou Elizondo was talking about the Tic Tac. Well, I don't know about that because when I interviewed him and I have it on record, he says, Hey man, some of this stuff I can't talk about because these guys from the history channel, we know who that is, Lou Elizondo are yeah. coming out and this is going to be a big thing and they want me to be a part of it. And he was genuinely kind of, again, what does that fit into? You know, that fits into, you know, somebody who isn't on the inside, but somebody who maybe has a real experience that they're trying to shape in a certain way or control. That's my read of it. I don't know. No, anything's possible. You're right. We just don't know everything. I always use the Occam's razor. The simplest explanation's got to be it most of the time. But sometimes we'll never know. We'll never have the answers we're looking for, sadly. Okay, final question, because you can, again, knock it out of the park with the first, the prior 
Final question. <laughs> so that's the short-term stuff, and it's fascinating that you're looking at that. Longer term, where do you think this Goofon thing, which is the name of your YouTube channel, and people really need to check it out. It is, as we said at the very beginning, entertaining as crap. I mean, this guy, I got to say, you're not 100% on your game. When we turned on the mic, you said you had a little bit of an upset stomach and you're, you are usually so positive in bringing it uh, humor and bringing entertainment. You got voices that you do and all the rest of this stuff. So if people tune in, they might see a little bit different you, more entertaining you. Not that you haven't been down with the info, but let me turn it back to that last question. Longer yeah, but term. I, I, how can I be, you know, do all what I do here. It's different. I mean, this is a little, it's an interview. When I'm on my show, it's more of a, you know, I'm not saying it's I'm doing entertaining, you know, but I'm more of myself because, I mean, this is me when we're just talking, but on my show, I'm playing videos, I'm playing music, you know, I'm talking to the crowd. It's a whole different environment. I get you, man. I'm not, I'm yeah. not. I'm not I just want people to know. No, I know. I just want people I to know. I want people to know that they should tune into Goofon because it's a load of fun <laughs> and they're really going to enjoy it's it. It's different. Yeah. It's different than us kind of sloshing through, slogging through this kind of stuff. So longer term, where are where are you going, Rich? Where is Goofon going? What where do you see this thing headed for you in terms of where this research is going to lead? Well, that's the best thing about doing what I do and being in this field. You never know where it's going. I don't really have a goal other than to just keep doing what I'm doing. And that's talking about anything that happens in, you know, in our field, whether it's Lou coming out or, you know, or Dolan or Greer or somebody brand new, we're going to talk about it, analyze it and study it. Uh, we we look at videos, we analyze those, you know, and uh, I show people some of my stuff and, you know, we laugh at that. So, yeah. And then we interact with the, with the audience. I have two shows, you know, the Goof on the original and then Goof on Lives, where we have the after show and I bring in the audience if they want to talk about the stuff I just talked about. So I'm trying to bring more of the public in. That's the long term is to give the public a voice they never had and be comfortable coming out when they do it. And a lot of people like coming on, on a goof on because they can be themselves. You know, a lot of these shows are really stuffy and they're super proper and you've got to wear a tie and, you know, and, you know, wearing a hat would never happen on these shows, but they, they get intimidated by that. And I think having a more relaxed atmosphere, like a, just talking, you know, at dinner or, you know, just, Hang it out. That's kind of what I want to bring long term. And I think I bring that since day one, but I want to bring the public in and that's it. Get to hear their stories. Well, great. Like I said at the beginning, you know, fantastic. I don't know why it doesn't have a million subscribers. It should. It's great. And I know. I, I appreciate Yeah, there we go. That's rich. <laughs> so, it's fun doing it this way because I thought it could play out this way where we could talk about stuff that we don't disagree with, that you could be totally honest about saying stuff about people that a lot of times people are not willing to say, oh, I can't say this, I can't say that. 
that's what I appreciate about your do about what you're doing and what you did here. And people who are not familiar with this field will not appreciate how difficult that is, how difficult that conversation is to have. So I appreciate you doing it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I was looking forward to it. I'm glad it, I'm glad it all worked out. And we went, we went a good two hours, man. That was fun. It went by fast. We did go two hours. Wow. Just Looking almost. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Amazing. Yeah. It goes, well, you'll edit it down to 20 minutes. So that, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'll, I, I won't edit it that much. Okay. No, I know. I'm joking. I'm, what I meant by that joke was I only said 20 minutes of stuff that anybody would listen to. And, and I'm joking. Well, you, you know, know why the, I don't joke when I'm on somebody else's show. No, see, I the, do. the joke really is if I take all out all my stumbling and bumbling, then you're going to no. really get it down there. You're going to get it down there way far. But uh, cool, no, man. No, thank you. This was great, actually. Thanks again to Rich for joining me today on Skeptico. The one question I tee up from this interview is what we're experiencing right now regarding UFO disclosure, a PSYOP, a COINTEL Pro, an intelligence program. What do you think? Let me know. Until next time, take care. Bye for now. <laughs>